0: Space the floor. Clarkson drives at Matthews, holds his pivot foot, kicks to Bogey. Three right side is good. Bogey has a little something to say to the sky. Looks skyward like finally I hit a three. Clarkson on the near side with his high black socks and his runner stride. Works in the lane. Lobs it high to Rooney and dumped it. Beautiful pass. On the post up. Turns left, throws it up. Well short. Put back is there. Jay Sean Tate for the deuce. Cross court out left side. This is EG G three. Eric Gordon with his second three-ball. 13 for the game. Rockets up by nine. Scoop between the circles. Left-hand dribble drive. Down the lane, and then a two-hand hammer for KPJ. Catch and shoot Garrison. Matthews answering right back. He sprinted into front court after giving up that shot. Took the ball and launched it, and made it for a three-ball.
1: And the Utah Jazz lose to the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I qualified it yesterday because I knew I might be sitting here saying that. But deep down, did I really believe I would be sitting here saying that? No, I didn't. Deep down, I really thought, no matter how ugly it was, the Jazz would find a way to beat the Rockets at home. And in the middle of the third quarter, I didn't even think it was all that ugly. They had the 13-point lead. It hadn't been perfect, but it had been good enough. And then... Oh! 15-0 run. I mean, just give it away in a hurry. This... Everything to a screech and halt. More than five and a half minutes without a single point. And when they broke that shutout streak, they did it by making one out of two free throws. Jazz are now 3-7 and seven in 2022. We thought 2020 sucked, and we couldn't wait to turn the calendar to get to 2021. And then it sucked. And now Jazz fans turn the calendar to 2022, and it sucks even worse. 3-7. It's like a 25-win pace over the course of a full season. It's horrible. And they've done it against some lousy basketball teams, which makes it worse and puts you people in a cranky mood. And I don't even blame you. Stay in a cranky mood. I'm not even going to try to talk you out of it. I'm not even going to bother. Be cranky. (laughs) As PK would say. Because they're bad at the offensive end in some stretches – They're bad at the defensive end and other stretches. They could really only get their act together for short stretches of the game. And I know they were missing guys. And they still had enough talent to beat the Rockets. I believe that. Obviously, they didn't beat the Rockets, so credit the Rockets. Matthews coming off the bench in five and nine threes. I do believe it's another evolution in the game. More guys doing what he's doing. It's a set shot, but if you're, if you're open, line it up and hit it. And he does it mostly catch and shoot. I mean, it's harder to do it off the dribble, which Steph Curry does and Damian Lillard does, and Donovan Mitchell's been working on expanding his range. It's not there yet. But if you're a shooter and you're a role player, you're in college dreaming of the NBA, and you don't spend 10,000 shots in the summer – hitting that shot from three steps behind the NBA line. And we've asked Joel about it, and he's like, that's a long way. And it is when it's, you're at the your end of your career, and that's been a long way your whole career. But once you see other people do it, and you're young and you're desperate to make it, do I think some 15-year-old out there in Houston is going to watch Matthews and go do it? Absolutely. And it stretched the Jazz defense out. Sometimes guys didn't go match up with them because it seemed too far away, and it wasn't. And other times they did go match up with it. And that's just farther to go if you're going to try and help when they get you in the blender. They get you scrambling. For all the threes they hit, and they had 22 of them and shot 49% from three. At the end of the night, the Jazz doubled, blitzed at the top of the key, and it wasn't enough pressure. The guy was able to make a pass right, right through slash over the double team into the middle of the paint, at which point Houston had numbers. It was a good old backdoor cut, and Rudy couldn't guard everybody, and Bojan couldn't recover, and they got the bucket they needed to put it away. And that was partly because their three-point shooters were stretching the floor. And a good pass to beat a double team. Rockets win 116, 111. Now is what I'm supposed to tell you oh, well, there's a bad Detroit Pistons team coming in, and the Jazz can turn it around against them. It's a Groundhog Day here. Where, why aren't you playing Sonny and Cher right now, Yacht? I feel like I have definitely said this before. I'm sure I've said this before. There's a very strong sense of deja vu. Oh, well, this is also a Detroit Pistons team that has beaten this Jazz. Team. Oh, you had to bring that up. Just saying. You, you and your facts. Get your facts! Oh, wait, you did get them right. Never mind, you can stay there. All right, the Jazz, man. We got theories on why. Hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. Hit me up on Twitter, David DJ James. Most of the theories fall into about three categories, and we will align those categories later in the show. Pistons, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA. George Nyank feeds Joel. Here comes a double, and B with a fadeaway shot. Good again. Incredible. One of the singular best performances we've ever seen. Giannis throws it off the backboard to himself with a two-hand flush. The two-time MVP saying, "I got maybe one more this year in me." Back out to Luca with four and three from the hash mark. He fires. He hits. Toronto. Down the lane Jokic Euro stepped way up good. That's a travel, a foul as well. Might be
1: the game winner. Outside the arc to the right edge, Craig back to the top. Levert for
2: three. He has had a splendid fourth quarter.
1: I hate losing, so yeah, of course there's a level of frustration for sure. I feel like, you know, we have a good enough team to win ball games and be over 500. I mean I mean we are who we are. So I mean I mean I
0: can't even like sit here and say that you know we should be this or we should be that. Our record is who we are.
1: Isn't that a Parcells quote or did he steal it from somebody else and somebody even older than him deserves it? You are what your record says you are. A lot of people will debate a lot of things, but that is one thing I have consistently heard athletes default to when you get fairly deep into a season. Early on in an NBA season, you're 5-10 games into an 82-game season and there's time to straighten it out. But the Lakers are 45 games into the season, so LeBron caught himself. Well, you are, which record says you are. And it says the Lakers are 22 and 23, and they are incredibly mediocre. A Pacer team, which is not good, 13 games under five hundred, but which has beaten the Jazz twice has now also beaten the Lakers. And they did it by coming from behind in the fourth quarter. They trailed going to the fourth quarter. They won the fourth quarter 35-24. They win the game 111-104. That is just super frustrating. When you're in the Jazz, you're the Lakers, and you're sure you're the better team. And the standings say, you're the better team. You got a better record than the other guys. And you got a lead. And the Lakers had the lead going to the fourth quarter. The Jazz had a double-digit lead midway through the third quarter. And you give it away at home, which both clubs did. Yeah. LeBron speaks for Laker fans, he speaks for Jazz fans, it is just super frustrating. I think what's frustrating for the Nuggets is they're winning this much, and that Jokic is this good, and yet they're nowhere near a title, because everybody else who matters is hurt. I mean, Arguably, their second and third best players are hurt, and we know what the Jazz have looked like when Rudy goes out, or when Donovan goes out, or when Mike Conley goes out, there have been struggles. Now if the Jazz are losing two of those three guys all year long and the guy who is healthy is going off the way Jokic is going off, yeah, I think it'd be frustrating. I mean, how many years can he have? This is a year of his prime, and it's just wasted because of all their injuries. The Nuggets beat the Clippers 130-128. to 128. Jokic went for 49 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. Now, he only got the triple-double because in overtime he got one assist. And he only got one assist in overtime because he was scoring all the other points. They won the overtime five-minute period 16-14. to 14. He had 11 points and an assist on the three-pointer. And if you haven't seen the assist on the three-pointer, go to social media and find it immediately. Or watch your favorite highlight show, NBA show, and see it immediately. He's doubled. He's a good 25, 30 feet from the hoop. He's on the far side of the floor. They're going right to left and he guns it cross-court into the corner and hits the shooter right in rhythm, Aaron Gordon. Easy catch and shoot. Didn't have to step left, step right. Didn't have to catch the ball down at his knees or up at the top of his head. Hit him in the shooting pocket. Eight ball, corner pocket. It's a perfect pass over a seven-footer on the money. Jokic is doing it all. Literally doing it all. So the Nuggets beat the Clippers 130-128. to You're the Bucs' highlights there. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 33 points, 15 rebounds. The Bucks beat the Grizzlies, 126 to 111. John Morant also went for 33. That was a slugfest, back and forth they went. Looked like the Bucks were going to pull away. The Grizzlies reeled them in. Looked like the Bucks were going to pull away. Grizzlies reeled them in. And the Grizzlies are down two starters too. Now they end up losing the game. But man, you got to admire their fight. It will be a hard out in the playoffs. I don't think they're coming out of the West. I could end up being wrong. Don't think they have the playoff experience to do that. But will they win a playoff series or two? Yeah, I can see that. And will they be a hard out? Whoever knocks them out? Yeah, I can see that too. Feisty Grizzlies. Backing down from no one. Other scores of note. The Nets got a win. Kyrie Irving went for 30. What in the world do the Nets want with home court advantage? you going to need Kyrie. 119-118, that's over the Wizards. Kyrie goes for 30. Can they just say we'll play all seven games on the road and pass on the money from the home games? It's our best chance to advance. I mean, this is a weird year. And of all the weirdness, Kyrie Irving only playing road games. I mean, it's hard to believe Ben Simmons is going to sit out a year and miss all that money. But I think the Kyrie situation is even weirder. Rumors floating out there. Simmons to the Nets in the offseason for Harden. Harden reunites with Daryl Morey as GM. And with Embiid, give you the perimeter guy and the big man, the ball handler and the big man. Embiid went for 50 in 27 minutes. Sixers beat the Magic 123 to 110. You like the college kid who went back to visit some uh, elementary school teacher? Yeah, kids, we can play. Then you just dunk on the eight-foot rims? What are you doing? You're tearing people. Pu- 50 points is awesome, but in 27 minutes, it's incredible. Are the Celtics going to make a trade and blow it all up? Because it's not going well. They just got beat by Charlotte, 111-102. The Celtics, I and mean, everybody's got problems. You know, the Jazz fans think their problems are really bad, and the Laker fans are like, no, our problems are way worse than your problems. Celtics are right at 500 in the East, Ninth in the East right now. That knocks him back to 23 and 23. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college basketball.
1: Got games tonight. Number 9 ranked UCLA is coming to town. Man, when the Utes were really good, this was the dream. Get a top ten Pac-12 team in here. This place would be rocking. Be great basketball. Utah's good. They can beat anybody. They beat Arizona in regional final, but that was light years ago. And now UCLA should come in and you would think beat Utah. And Johnson Center will probably not be rocking, but one day, one day, it's going to happen. He's got to land a couple of great players. Right now, they got a lot of role players, and they will grind. They are eight and ten. They are one and seven in league. They've lost. Six in a row. BYU should pick up another win. They got San Diego at home tonight. Torero's off to a 3-1 start in league, but they haven't really beat anybody of note, just beating the bottom half of the league. Utah State hosts Boise State tonight. Scotty Gill have the call, 7 o'clock, pregame at 6.30 here on the zone. Idaho State and Weber State, 7 o'clock. It's on ESPN Plus, as is the Dixie State Lamar game, as is UVU and UT Rio Grande Valley. That one's at six, the other two are at seven. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NFL.
2: I feel good. Big steel plate on my foot. That's the only different from the, from the left foot to the right, but I mean I, I feel good. It's just, you know, I haven't did anything like two and a half months, so you know, just getting back out there, getting acclimated to everything, and you know, getting back to being me.
1: That's Derrick Henry being very optimistic. He practiced, and there was contact involved. So that's a step forward. That's another hurdle to clear. But you're down to the eight best teams in the NFL. And there aren't any teams you really look at right now, at least I don't, and say, what are you doing here? We know what they're doing there. These are the best. And he's got a steel plate in his foot. I have it on good authority. I gotta pick Cincinnati. He can't be 100%. He hasn't done anything in two and a half months. Maybe he'll come out and put the cape on and run for 150 yards, and that would be awesome. And you'd like to see everybody at their best for the playoffs, and obviously the Titans are at their best when he's at his best. But this is just, this is too much. A bridge too far. Pick the Bengals. Joe Burrow. One more win before he gets beaten in the AFC title game. Denver Bay Bucks coach Bruce Arians has been fined 50 grand by the NFL for swiping his hand at safety Andrew Adams' helmet during the wild card game against Philadelphia. Arians said that I'll appeal it. It ain't got nothing to do with the game, so we're good. You can appeal it. I don't think you're going to win. I think we all saw the video. It was not a good look. Don't do that. I mean, you didn't throw a punch at his neck. You're not Woody Hayes, so I'll give you that. But still, don't... It wasn't a good look. Don't do that. But when you win not as big an issue, and he's winning. NFL has filed a motion asking Nevada court to dismiss former Raiders coach John Gruden's lawsuit against the lead, saying accusations the NFL leaked Gruden's emails are baseless, should be dismissed for failure to state a single viable cause of action. Gruden has claimed a malicious and orchestrated campaign was used by the NFL, and Commissioner Roger Goodell destroyed his career by leaking old emails that included racist, misogynist, and anti-gay language. I have a hard time feeling feeling bad for John Gruden? because that was a lot of emails to write and a lot of swipes to take and a lot of groups of people for no apparent reason. What did they do to you? And having said that, they do a whole investigation into that franchise and some of the allegations we heard about the franchise. And the only thing that comes out is stuff about this guy coaching on the other side of the country. Yeah, it looks like an orchestrated campaign to me. And John Gruden is not a sympathetic figure in this. I'm not defending him. But if you say... Oh, it was orchestrated to get him. Well, he set himself up to be gotten, so I'm not defending that. But I have a hard time believing there weren't any other emails in there, and they didn't come out. Hard time believing nobody else wrote or said something that crossed similar lines in similar ways. They did an investigation into Washington, and they sunk the Raiders coach. Huh. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. George quarterback Stenson Bennett the fourth announced he will return to lead the Bulldogs in 2022, while former transfer JT Daniels has re-entered the NCAA transfer portal after playing seven games for the Bulldogs. This is where we are in 2022. The quarterback who won the national title for the school he grew up rooting for. A place he walked on, transferred to a JC so he could play, came back to, has to announce, oh yeah, I'm I'm staying. Because realistically, he might not be. It's not far-fetched. And a quarterback who was a 28-star recruit at USC who transferred across the country to Georgia, who is undefeated as Georgia's starting quarterback, and Georgia won the national title. He is out of there. Now, he's undefeated in three starts and two mop-up appearances. Played in seven games over two years, but three starts this past season. But then he got hurt, and Stenson Bennett came in and played great. And, you know, one of the wins, they beat Vandy. Yeah. Another win, they beat Clemson 10-3. to You didn't light the world on fire. <laughs> Defense won that game. So, JG Daniels is on to his third school. Who will it be? Where will it be? Will he actually get to win the starting job and keep it? Am I right, Yach, about USC? Am I remembering that he had it and he got hurt? Is that how he lost the job at SC? He did. He tore his ACL. Right. So he's had the job twice and gotten hurt twice and lost the job to another good quarterback because of injury. And now he's looking for his third pro. Now he hasn't stuck around to try and win the job back or get the job back when there's a coaching change, or which is what's happened at USC, or when the other quarterback got hurt, which may or may not happen. So he's on to his third school. Former TCU head coach Gary Patterson will be joining Steve Sarkeesian's staff in at Texas in an off-field role as special assistant to head coach. he spotted Tuesday in Austin at a basketball game. Boy, it does seem like there are more of these landing spots than ever for coaches who are at a point in their career where they want to work but they don't want to grind around the clock. Good gig for Patterson. Smart move by Sarkeesian. But will it be enough? Time will tell. USC's worth trying, though. USC added former Oklahoma defensive back Latrell McCutcheon is a transfer, making him the second sooner to follow Lincoln Riley to L.A. along with wide receiver Mario Williams. But well, we saw that in basketball here. That's just the way of the world, right? We saw Aggies going to Utah because the youth hired the Aggies coach. And we saw Baltimore, Maryland, County kids going to the Aggies because they hired the coach. Kids bond to coaches. Uh, one no thing different. I failed to put on there, I should have put it on there. Luther Ellis hires the defensive tackles coach at Utah. Yes, he is. So you legend and if is back. you're if you're not young enough to remember Luther Ellis, that guy was a major problem go for back, whack schools. Go back to YouTube and watch some of those throwing highlights. people around. Get out of my way! You are in my way. DJ and PK Golf. American Express begins this morning at La Quinta Country Club in La Quinta, California. Utah's Tony Finau is in the field this week and will play the first two rounds alongside John Rahm. Desert courses, best weather you're going to get in the U.S. in January, and guys are going to go way low. Now, I don't know if they're going to go 35 under or low, <laughs> but they're going to go low. They always do. And what I remember about this is going to college and my dad was a high school teacher and <laughs> mom was a stay-at-home mom, so we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't go to fancy resorts and spots. We drove for eight hours and saw friends in Visalia and stayed in their house. <laughs> and then we drove eight hours to Reno and we stayed in their house, man, knuckle. <laughs> and I said something, I was working in the sports information office and I said something about La Quinta. <laughs> And everybody burst out laughing. La Quinta? Haven't you ever been to... Come on, you've been to La Quinta. No, I've never been to La Quinta. Where the heck is La Quinta? I don't know where La Quinta is. (laughs) La Quinta. I'm usually, usually better with the... Words, towns, and roads that are rooted in the Spanish language. Hey, I, I punted that one big time. Recently, had a person ask me where Lehi was here in Utah, so, you know. Yeah, okay, it happens, right? The road that was a main drag you had to drive on to get to our, our house in San Diego was Hamasha, and it started with a J. Mom would be giving directions and something. So that's Jamacha. No, it really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't Jamacha. <laughs> it's Hamasha. <laughs> All right. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. And if you're from San Diego and you actually know what I'm talking about, shout-out to La Presa, Spring Valley, what up? What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. We're talking NFL playoffs with Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, and a Pac-12 network analyst, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals. How far can they go? They knocked... They knocked the Raiders out. Can they knock out the Titans this week since there's a steel plate in the foot of the Titans' star running back? We'll talk with Lincoln next. Dennis Dodd, National College football writer for CBSSports.com. Where's the Big 12 going? Divisions on the way. How might that work? Dennis Dodd at 8 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Oh, yeah, and that Joe Ingles guy at 9. Stay with us.
0: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
1: Trevor Allen of course covers the Utes for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah.
0: That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did in his, in his time here at, at, at Utah and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here and send them off to the NFL and Quinton can do that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every 10 to New on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
1: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Lincoln, good morning. oh man? Getting ready for another uh, week of NFL playoffs also, right. also getting ready for a vacation, but that's a different story, but i'm very <laughs> I'm very excited i haven't haven't gone on vacation in a couple of years. this is going to be awesome. Good for you yeah, so not so good for the Raiders honestly i they were stretched in that game. I honestly thought the Raiders were going to do it.
2: yeah, you know what It was one of those games where they 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 hung in there and they gave a great fight just like the, the entire season, but just came up a little bit short in the end.
1: There's a whole theory that you've got to be aggressive and you got to go for touchdowns and field goals don't beat anybody, and that theory took a big hit in that playoff game. Because one of the reasons I thought the Raiders had a shot is when the Bengals had a momentum and everything was going great and they had field position and they were just barely making the play. You know, oh, that's a great catch, but you don't make that catch every possession. They settled for field goals, and I thought, they're letting the Raiders hang in there and the football gods will punish you for that, and they ultimately didn't. The Raiders kicked field goals, too. Does this take a swipe at everybody who's, you gotta be aggressive and go for it and go win the game? Or no? no? No. You know,
2: here's the here's the thing. I, I think that there are coaches out there that tend to overthink and try to play uh, against or 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 you know, uh, what's the best way of saying it? Just are, are, are not in the in the right frame when they when they talk about momentum or going forward. For example, look at the Los Angeles Chargers this past year um, when they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, the second game. Um, they left nine points off the board because they kept going for it on fourth down and came up empty. And that nine points actually came back to haunt them because they ended up going over time and they lost by a touchdown. So I think that you have to play smart and don't overthink things, but there are times where you can be aggressive and there are times where you just have to take what what, what the football gods have given you at that point.
1: It's become a big deal about how the TV crew handled the inadvertent whistle. And they said that they heard it. Now, they got headsets on and they got mics all over the field. I'm not sure that you have that same thing. And if you do, not to the same degree. I've called basketball games, which is obviously a smaller environment. Right. And depending on the arena, you can be closer to the floor. But I've called it where I've heard a whistle but wasn't sure if it came from the floor or the stands. And I found that confusing. And so I, I get how people get confused broadcasting and even how players get confused not knowing where the whistle came from and can stop. But when it ultimately turns out that it was a referee's whistle, I forget all that and I think, dude, do you not know when to blow your whistle? Right. That wasn't close. There are situations where there could be an inadvertent whistle. That wasn't close.
2: Yeah, and the, the thing was, is that we didn't hear it in a broadcast booth until we got the report from the TV crew what it happened. And the thing was, you know, look, I understand mistakes happen, human error happens, I don't have a problem with that, but in this day and age, when we have the technology and we have the things that are available at our disposal, just want them to get it right. Whether it's the replay, you see what happened, you, you slow it down, you, you just want to get it right. The, the I'm not saying that the the Bengals wouldn't have scored. I'm not saying that that would have changed the outcome. But you can ill afford in a playoff game when you're really the only game that's being played at that time. And being watched by everybody who's a football fan or a sports fan, period, you can ill afford to have a mistake that resonates like that and not be able to do something about it or correct it. So my my point is is this is that an inadvertent whistle, oh they blew the whistle, they, they, okay. So according to the rules, you got to replay it down. The, the the play is dead, dead. You got to replay it down. Go replay it down. That's just it. Go, go, replay it down over and over again. Don't just move on after you realize that there was a mistake. You understand your mistake. You know it happens. Okay. Well, let's let's correct it. Let's just let, let's just get it right. Don't ignore it like it didn't happen. And that's one of the things. The reason why uh, there were reports that 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 uh, officiating crew isn't working any more playoff games because that was a big mistake that they just let go.
1: They shouldn't be working any more playoff games. <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't, you're, because you're right. You're 100% right. It might not have changed the outcome of the game. Bengals might have scored it on the next play or on the replay, and they could have won right. the game anyway. They might have settled for a field goal right. and still won the game. So it's not whining about that. It's just when I'm watching football, I'm, if you're refereeing at this level, you have to know you can't blow the whistle then. Sure. you just You have to know that. And if you do, you can't be rewarded with another playoff game. You
2: can't I, I totally agree. 100%. I totally agree. So, so that's, that's the same crew that, that worked a game earlier. Just a little side note, that crew worked, a, well, the, the main referee, Boger, worked a, a game earlier this year um, in Las Vegas. And at the coin toss, he said the Oakland Raiders will choose to defer the kick. And it was like, in Las Vegas, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. So. <laughs> uh,
1: I find that stuff hilarious. But, you know, I'm a San Diego Charger fan. I got my feelings yeah. hurt when they went to L.A. And so every time somebody slips... Uh, Michael Wilbon did it on PTI. He said, The Raiders, you know, they got that weather out there in California. And when he was done, Tony said, Well, number one, they're not in California. California exactly. And number two, don't ever bring up the weather because they play in a dome in Vegas. Exactly. So, you know, Wilbon was like, Ah, you know, everybody's making that mistake. The uh, Not this current coach, but the previous coach, when he was introduced, in LA, they just moved there, and he said San Diego Chargers. Did he? Yeah, yeah, in his press conference, and I thought. Well, it was when, when I was doing
2: radio for years, and then uh, I had I had the hardest time saying the Los Angeles Chargers. I would say San Diego every time because growing up in San Diego, I was always used to them being the Chargers. San Diego Chargers. It was. It is what it is. Yep.
1: All right, so the playoffs continue now, and uh, PK will always say, "You're going to pick the team with the best quarterback." Like, well. Why would you pick against the best quarterback in such a dominant <laughs> quarterback-dominant league? And the one reason to do that is the young guys getting experience. Now, we have seen young guys win Super Bowls, but also it's been very hard for them to do that the first time they're in the playoffs. Right. You know, the first time Mahomes was in the playoffs, they lost to the Patriots in right. the AFC title game. Then they went to two Super Bowls and won the first one. So I'm curious if you think... Joe Bur- He looks like a guy who's going to win a Super Bowl one day, right. which is a difficult thing to guarantee, but it does look probable. But do you think he can do it right now? Should we be looking at the Bengals as a Super Bowl contender right now?
2: I don't think they're strong enough right now. Um, they've got some holes, especially on the defensive side. They've got some holes that I don't know if they can overcome. Uh, especially looking at some of the AFC teams. But when you look at the when you look at what what, what Joe Burrow has at his disposal, uh, I knew in the the last week's game the Raiders did not have an answer for Jamar Chase. The the fact is is that the the way the Raiders play defense, um, they they put you know a different corner in the boundary whether it was Brandon Faison or Desmond Trufant each time the Bengals went after that boundary corner with Jamar Chase or another receiver and they they, they didn't have an answer there was no way they could stop it Uh, I don't think that's going to be the same case going forward for the Bengals so I think that they're close I think they're a good team it's good for the city you know after 30 years finally winning a playoff game Um, it was a great environment a great atmosphere but I I don't I, I think the road ends soon for the for the Bengals and it'll be this weekend
1: the other AFC playoff game, super intriguing. Oh, wait, I, before, before we go any further, yeah. do you think it ends the, It ends this weekend? Uh, how are they going to – is Tannehill going to sling it and going to be the man and just drop back and beat him and, and pick on the matchups that you're talking about? Or do you actually expect a guy with a plate in his foot to go out and run for 100 yards?
2: I expect them to rely heavily or at least see what he can do. Um, you're not really going to get away from who you are. Defensively, I think the Titans have done a good job at playing better throughout the year uh, despite not having their, you know, their, their big running back. But now that he's back, I think they're going to rely heavily on him to see what he can do or how he can help going forward.
1: All right, Derek Henry, when I heard him say he still had a plate in his foot, I thought, you're going to play in an NFL playoff game with a plate in your foot. I can't wait to see how this looks. He is so good, but a plate in your foot, that sounds like a major problem.
2: Yeah, you know what? It, 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 anyone's guess, when you come back from that type of injury to see how a running back is going to do, I think it, it weighs heavily for the Titans going forward because, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're the number one seed and they played the way they did and got what they uh, achieved without Derrick Henry was a surprise. I kind of roped them off when he went down with the injury. But, you know, give, give Coach uh, Vrabel the credit due because he found a way to rally his team and, and get them playing some smart football. They're, they're a pretty good team. I don't necessarily think they're the best team in the AFC, but I think they're a really good one. And at home, I like their momentum.
1: Lincoln Kennedy Raider radio analyst joining us. So Chiefs Bills, who do you have?
2: Um, I like the Bills this time. I think that, you know, last year when you watched the Chiefs-Bills game in the AFC Championship, one of the biggest things that Joshua Allen struggled with was reading defenses. This year he's been much better prepared. Uh, Dable uh, did a great job with him this season on how to read and recognize defenses. And he's just one of those guys that's going to take it upon himself, like a Patrick Mahomes, to make the plays when it comes. When it comes the difference is the defensive side of the ball. I think the Bills' defense is much better than the Chiefs' defense, so I like the Bills'.
1: Now you've been down on the Chiefs all year, and you've talked about you know, the extra playoff games, the hangover from losing the Super Bowl, and they've had some key personnel turnover in the middle of this run. Yes, the coach and quarterback have stayed in place, but not everybody else has. I'm curious if the, if they break through and beat the Bills here, will you finally get on the Chiefs or will you just keep picking against them every week?
2: No, no. It's, you know what? It, look, I, I, I will admit when I was wrong. I thought there was going to be a Super Bowl hangover. I think one of the biggest things they did right was they got themselves Melvin Ingram on defense, which really helped out. Um, you watch that Denver game. Denver had him until Ingram made that play and fumble for a touchdown. Uh, I don't know how you don't block a defensive end on a run play, but, hey, that's, <laughs> that's a, the Broncos' problem. But when it when it's all said and done, the Chiefs are still good because they've got a quarterback, they've got a system that can generate points, and everyone's intimidated by them. So much of your point that you started with the the first interview about you know Phils aren't going to win, you got to score touchdowns. That's sort of been the mindset in the AFC, especially when you play against that team. And it's harder to do than people give credit for. It's harder to get touchdowns. Sometimes you just have to play the percentages, hope that your defense can get a stop or get a turnover, or maybe even get lucky like they did in that Broncos game. But the is is that the chiefs are a good football team they've turned the corner they find, found a way to right their defense and a way to where they can they could still give their offense the, the slight edge um, if they're able to overcome this game against the bills I've been high on the bills all season if they've been able if they can overcome the bills, then I think they deserve another shot at the, in, in the super Bowl and I think they'll probably end up getting it.
1: Some people pick NFL games and they do the pools and they use the confidence points, where you're not just picking the games, but you're ranking them. And you put the right. most points on the game you have the most confidence in. So this week, if there were – there's four games. So there'd be uh, – I'd put four points on the Packers beating the Niners. i go on the radio and make definitive statements, and far too often it comes back to bite me and P.K. and Yacht get to <laughs> laugh at me and mock me. But I don't see how the Niners win this game against the Packers – Unless they get a bunch of turnovers, and that's what the Packers don't do. Rodgers, 37 touchdown passes, only four interceptions. Best in the league. That's that's it. So how do the Niners win this game? Do they just have to turn that pass rush loose? Because that's their most elite unit. That's where their advantage usually is. And if their front four dominates, they win, and otherwise they get beat.
2: Time of possession. Control in the clock. Good old-fashioned football tends to win their playoff season like this when you're able to run the football. The fact that the 49ers are a run-first team really aids them and, and, and helps them. If the Packers don't have an answer to contain the run of the 49ers, the 49ers should control the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline most of the day.
1: So Debo, yeah. throw him short passes, hand him the ball, run the clock.
2: Use it. Everything that you can to, to matriculate your way down the field, nice. take your time, and still find a way to score touchdowns. That puts the pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Not that he can't handle it, especially when his offense is capable, but if you put them in a pass-first situation where they have to keep up, then the advantage goes to your defensive front, where you can generate pressure at your front four because your secondary is a, a weakness that can be exposed.
1: I love that when you drop in matriculate right there. That just tells me you're probably late 40s, early 50s. I mean, I know you're 50, but yeah, you're late yeah, 40s, yeah. early 50s. You watched NFL films because you love football. And when games weren't on, and you saw the coach mic'd up during the Super Bowl, Hank Stram, Matriculate the ball down the field, guys. That's
2: right. True story. True story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the Bucks and the Rams, super intriguing. The Rams—they've got the talent to beat anybody, but that means you have to pick against Tom Brady, and that probably makes the average gambler break out in a cold sweat.
2: Yeah, how about that? Um, you know, I early this year when uh, Stafford went to the Rams, I, I remember one of the things I did is I, I went to my, my Vegas, my Vegas friend, and I put down a hundred dollars on twenty-seven to one odds that the Rams would be in the NFC Championship. <laughs> And they're that close. And the reason why, because I said the Rams were going to do, go all out, do whatever they could. They want to have a Super Bowl-filling team right now. They needed a quarterback. And I thought that when the Lions gave up Stafford, that's all they needed. With Stafford's ability, you know, that he's thrown picks, and he's, he's kept them down. They haven't been as, as favored as they should have been. But they're still a good football team. And you saw what they did against the Cardinals. With that being said, I don't know if it's going to be enough to – to beat even a depleted Bucks team. They really have to have a great game. More importantly, Stafford can't afford to throw interceptions. And if we've seen anything out of Todd Bowles over the last couple of years, his defense has been ready to answer the challenge. So with that being said, I- I, I hope the Rams win for my wallet's sake. I just don't know if they can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for joining us. The
2: pleasure is mine, man. Be, be, be well. We'll talk soon.
1: All right, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst, join us right here on the Zone Sports Network. Dennis Dodd will join us, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com. He's coming up in 15 minutes. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, a lot of you with reaction to the Jazz loss. How could this happen? Explain away the latest about we will get to that next
0: this is Hanson Scotty let's do it Are they a good team? Absolutely. Are they a team that's going to be a top four team in the West? Absolutely. Are they a team that I expect to win a series or two in the NBA playoffs? Absolutely. Is this a team that I have any level of expectations to challenge for an NBA title right now? No, I do not. Not to say that this team is currently constituted can't get there, but I think that if they are going to challenge for a title, then they're going to have to do something at trade deadline to find a piece or two to get them over the top.
1: I could still see the Jazz post All Star break. I could see this team going going on a 9, 10, 12 game winning streak.
0: I could still see this team as a Western Conference Finals team. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
1: Purchase Ford fans on all-you-can-eat tickets to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fans on all-you-can-eat tickets now. So the Jazz had a 13-point third-quarter lead. Gave up a 15-0 run. And lost the game to the Houston Rockets. Explain away the latest Jazz debacle. They are now 3-7 and seven in this calendar year. Three weeks into 2022. Three wins, seven losses. Larry says everyone is waiting to see who gets traded. Make the trade and get it over with. If they do a trade, and I don't think it's a guarantee. You can argue that it's a probability, it's likely, or whatever. They're not trading eight guys. Trading one or two guys. And I don't even think it's that long a list. Can a trade send a little gloom over a team? Could it be part of the equation? I guess I can't rule that out. And you can say, well, they'll still be in the NBA, and then they're mentally weak if that's true. I think the bigger part of this is not the trade and the mentality that comes with it. Player absences. Players playing poorly when they are there. Nate says lazy entitled defense. Lazy is like a lazy social media word. People who use lazy are lazy. When in doubt, just call something lazy. That's a lazy take. That's lazy defense. You can put lazy in front of anything. I don't think they were lazy when they got burned for that layup dunk, whatever, that end of the game. They doubled. They didn't force a turnover, and then they were caught in a scramble. And Houston knew exactly how to attack it. Get the ball in the middle of the floor, give the guy options, backdoor cut, Rudy can't be everywhere. Bogey couldn't recover from the top of the key in time. JD says same old inconsistency we expect from the Jazz. Give us hope, then tear it down. Then give us hope again, just to tear it down again. Is that it? Just the problem is expectations are out of whack. You want them, you hope, you expect that they're the best team in the NBA. But they got the fourth best record in the NBA, so they're a major disappointment. But then they'll go on a streak, and you'll think, oh, they could be the best in the NBA. We'll discuss all of this with Joe Ingles coming up at 9 o'clock. And PK will join us next. You know he's got a theory. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dennis Dodd coming up at about 8.15 here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.